0: pinched twice today for not wearing green. I have two red-headed children. My name is Garrett Leahy. I am green on the inside, so cut it out. The rest of you are just posing. I'm actually from the old country. All right, a few generations back. But I want to begin today in an unconventional way. Some of you um, may be familiar with a book in media blitz that has been going on for a while surrounding a series of books called Left Behind. Left Behind is a fictional series of books written from a particular Christian perspective about uh, what the end of the world might be like in story form. It was best-selling book series in the late 90s, early 2000s, and it may about to be getting a revival because uh, Nicolas Cage is in pre-production to do a remake of the Left Behind movie, Uh, If they make it through pre-production, it would come out in 2014, so we may be getting ready to do another round of Left Behind. Now evidently, there was a video game series that started a few years ago uh, that began with a game called Left Behind Eternal Forces. So I'd like to begin this morning's message with a, a, a reading from a video game review from a gamer's magazine. Let us begin. Left Behind Eternal Forces. Don't mock Left Behind Eternal Forces because it's a Christian game. Mock it because it's a very bad game. The real-time strategy adventure game from Left Behind Games based on the best-selling novels from Tim Tim LaHaye and Jerry B. Jenkins will even let down born-again types with a hokey story, terrible mission design, serious problems with interface and graphics, and loads of crippling bugs. In the game, the members of the tribulation force seek to convert the followers of the evil evil global community peacekeepers. Wait a second, the evil side is called the global community peacekeepers? Yep. Given the game's Christian devotion, your goal is not to wipe out the enemy as in typical real-time strategy adventures, but to convert as many of the baddies as possible. If all goes well, he or she will soon be turned into a friend, either in a Ned Flanders-like sweater ensemble or a sensible skirt and pumps. These drones can then be sent to training centers for instruction in their new Christ-inspired careers. Soon you've got builders turning abandoned buildings into resource-producing venues, such as food-making cafes and money-making banks, just as Jesus would want us to do, as well as soldiers patrolling the streets. Your units include gospel-singing musicians, missionaries, healers, and medics, Enemy units feature college-trained secularists, devils, and foul-mouthed rock stars with their electric guitars. Stereotypes are everywhere. Only males can become priest-like disciples, whereas only women can become nurses. Female units are actually designated as such and given ridiculous titles like friend woman. A fair number of the bad guys bear Arab and African names. To add insult to injury, in between every level, the game turns around and preaches at you. These pages play Christian rock music with a convenient buy now button, of course. Can we be done with this stuff? Really, can, can we be done? Is it, can it be over yet? This has never been a like we hate Harry Potter church or let's all boycott Disney. So I don't want to start a we hate hate Left Behind thing here today. It's not going to work anyway. Everybody loves it. Um, I'll say this: It's fine as a work of fiction. If you if you read it and it's an escape, it, it, it's, it's fantasy. Far be it from me to deny anybody that. Good grief, Lord of the Rings, pastor. But um, you know, if it's got just enough Bible stuff in it to give it that reality ish feeling that makes some fantasy more fun i can totally i can totally get behind all that but five times in the passage we're about to study jesus says uh uh, stay alert watch for my return is this stuff what he meant that we should make a bunch of of best-selling books and poorly made video games that's what it means to be vigilant for jesus is this why Jesus went up on the Mount of Olives three days before his crucifixion to remind us to spread a little more hate for people in Africa, in the Middle East? When he said, I come, that you might have life more abundantly, did he mean that you could build a bunch of banks and restaurants and armies? Are people who go to college really anti-Christian? Do real Christians wear sweater vests and skirts? Really There's two things in the Christian world right now that I think causes the rest of the world to look on us with disgust. One is how much Christian media says that the world began. And the other is how much Christian media says that the world will end. The unbelieving world finds what is put out there in popular form about the beginning and the end of the world so laughable. They don't wanna join us for the ride in between no matter how nice we seem. Talk just a moment about creation here, um, the creation and evolution issue and so forth. Mike Eklund and I are gonna be teaching a class on this in the fall. Mike here, a small group leader at Lakeland. And Mike and I have as different views about creation as you can imagine. We've been meeting for a long time and, and uh, how the world began between the two of us is a, a big friendly disagreement. But we agree on the unity of the church. And the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the glory of God as creator. And we, we want to come together and teach this thing that shows different perspectives and yet says there's so much we agree on. Can we be the church? Can we not have an infight or a need to divide? That just makes us look even more silly to the world. So watch your program. There's some details about today for ways to enroll in that class. And we'll look at this, how the world began issue. From a biblical perspective and from different biblical perspectives from brothers in Christ. So. That just leaves us today to talk about this, how the world will end peace. So we're gonna go at it uh, not from a book and not from a video game and not from a movie this morning, but where she would always should start from scripture and from the words of Jesus. So let's start our message over again. It is still the Tuesday before the cross. If you've been with us, Jesus, uh, just last week, although in this it would be just a few hours ago, has been telling his disciples that the temple will be destroyed in their generation. And he was giving them signs that these things would happen. But at the end of that, Jesus says this in Mark 13, verse 31. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. And with those words, now Jesus' tone is going to change from telling them about the temple that will fall in their own generation to talking about the end of heaven and earth. And here is his verses. However, no one knows the day or hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when the time will come, be on guard. Stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. He told his gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you, what I say to everyone, watch for him. So one thing we can say with confidence right out of the gate is that if anyone comes to you telling you that they know when it is or that they can sense that it is close, you should be very suspicious because Jesus Christ himself said, even I don't know. The angels of heaven don't know. The son doesn't know. That's something only the father knows. And don't let an end times teacher weasel out on you by saying, well, I'm not setting an exact date. I'm just telling you, I can tell it's really close. It'll be in our lifetime. It'll be right after this next war. Because he said he would come without warning. And even the son doesn't know. And you can turn to the book of Revelation if you like and look for all sorts of extra hints and signs and you will not find them. We've studied the entire book of Revelation here as a congregation and we'll do it again in the years to come. But Revelation only gives you signs to see that God is near to you even in times of darkness and tribulation. Nobody knows. And anyone who claims to know is either self-deceived or else lying to you. And I would say the more money they're making telling you that it's close, the more you should suspect that they are lying to you. why am I so fired up this morning? Because I normally think of myself as a very nice, calm person. Because I think that all this dramatization of the end times and using it like um, campfire ghost stories for grown-ups, something we can all huddle around and get the heebie-jeebies and get all worked up, I think it distracts us from the real meaning of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Ironically, the same people who would warn you, well, don't listen to a wishy-washy end times teacher like that Irish guy who won't tell you that it's close. Ironically, it's that person, I think, who's leading you away from Christ and closer to hell, as we're gonna see in our verses this morning. So this stuff can become spiritual poison for the church and that always fires me up. Anything that may harm the church of Jesus Christ in the world is worth getting fired up about. So let's go back to the words of Jesus slower, calmer, and let's see what we find. Verse 33. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip When he left home, he gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to keep watch for his return. He gave each of his slaves instructions about the work they were to do. He gave each of us instructions about the work we are to do. What is it? I certainly don't think it's to read the newspaper looking for wars and earthquakes so we can tell how close it is. That doesn't sound like work or any instructions we were ever given. Let's try this list. To pray. To share the gospel boldly. To care for the poor. To visit the sick and the imprisoned. Forgiving those who have hurt us and sinned against us. You will find this list in any passage in Revelation and any time Jesus speaks of the end times. You'll see this list of work for the slaves to do. The end is coming and we can be assured of that. But all we can do about it is obey the master now. Now is our focus. Now is the right place to be. Now is before us. This is the season of Lent. This is a season to examine ourselves, to look inside our souls. So we, some of us are carrying around these cards on a ring and whenever season of Lent reminds us to pray, we pull it out and we pray. You can grab this card on the way out if you didn't get one. And our prayer this week is Lord, show me where I am asleep. Help me to be awake and ready for your return. The disciples are asking Jesus about then. Tell us what then will be like. Uh, uh, Tell us when then will happen. But Jesus quickly turns them right around and says, you can't know then. Because you know what, guys? I don't know then. But you can follow the instructions you were given now now is your place to be. So don't be caught asleep. Be alert. Be on watch. Stay awake, he says. One Christian author I read said you can summarize the point of all end times teaching into this. Be valiant under fire and diligent during the delay. If you wrote that down, you'd have the point of all end times teaching under your belt. Be valiant under fire and diligent during the delay. I do think the Left Behind video game got one thing right. There's this part of the game where after you convert someone, you can set an artificial intelligence thing on them so that they'll go and convert other people while you complete other missions. But evidently, when you set them up to do that, they don't actually do it. Here's what the reviewer says. Units can be set on auto-proselytizing mode, where they can be ordered to recruit on demand. But the artificial intelligence isn't as committed to Christ as you might expect. If you set units on autopilot, they respond by just standing around. Well, that's not just a game glitch. That's a glitch in the real-life programming of real-life Christians. The most frustrating thing about us is We hear teaching on the end times and the instructions we are given, and we just stand around. Lord, show me where I am asleep and help me be awake and ready for your return. Verse 35 You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak. Don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I say to everyone. Watch for him. How do we know we're awake? How do we know we're watching for him? Well, you dragged yourself out of bed on another cold day, and you came here to worship Him and to serve one another, and that's something. And most of you worked all through the week. And later in the service, you'll give some of your earnings to the work of God in the world, to the end of proclaiming the gospel boldly, and that's something. And when you pray, you are awake. In two days, Jesus is going to ask his disciples to stay awake with him in the garden and pray. When your waitress is messing up your order a lot and it's getting on your nerves, and then you have that moment when you realize that before she was your servant, she was a daughter of God, and you say something encouraging instead. In that moment, you are awake. And when they immigrants are there in front of you in the line at the store and they're chattering away and no one understands them and who knows where they pick what language that even is and they're holding up the line and you remember that before they were in your way they were children of god and now they're aliens in a foreign land and we think we know why they're here but we don't really know all the reasons it brings people so far from home and so you step in and help instead in that moment you are awake when your atheist friend or coworker is popping off about how stupid Christians are and how ignorant it is to believe in God, and you're ready to fire something back, post something pleasant on their Facebook wall, <laughs> And you remember that often people fight God the hardest right before He breaks into their life. And so instead you give a reason for the hope that you have with gentleness and respect, as it says in Peter. In that moment, you are awake. When you turn on the radio or television teacher, and there is an end times teacher who is telling you, Iran is the Antichrist. It's time for a holy war against him that will usher in the kingdom of God. If not, he'll swarm over the globe. And you say, I think I've heard this before. I think it was Iraq last time. And I was alive in the 70s when Egypt was the Antichrist. And some of you are saying, well, I was alive in the 50s when Russia was the Antichrist. And some of you are saying, well, I was alive in the 30s when Hitler was the Antichrist. Some of you are saying, I was alive during the Napoleonic Wars when Napoleon's France was the Antichrist. Probably none of you are around for the Parthian Empire, but it was them before, and it was the Romans before that. And so you get up and you turn off the television and turn the radio dial and get back to doing the work of Jesus. In that moment, you are awake. when you wake up in the morning and you pray a psalm and you go to bed at night and you pray, Lord, show me where I have seen your love today and show me where I could have been more loving so that tomorrow I can be more like you. When you wake up and go to bed, praying that way, you're awake even when you're asleep. And it's hard in this life to stay awake. When you're sick, And when you're scared and when you're persecuted, it takes courage in these moments to stay Christian and not turn violent or vengeful or panicked. But that's precisely the the, the Greek force of the word when it says to stay awake, to keep your eye on the thing that you're supposed to be keeping your eye on, the way of Jesus. Lord, show me where I am asleep. Help me to be awake and ready for your return. And then, when you least expect it, he returns. I'm going to leave the Gospel of Mark for a moment and go to the Gospel of Matthew, because there is a passage where Jesus tells us what it will be like at his return. Matthew 25, verse 34 and following. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come! when did we ever see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink or a stranger and show you hospitality or naked and give you clothing? When did we ever see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say, I tell you the truth. When you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers and sisters, you were doing it to me. Today is the two-year anniversary of our as one financial challenge two years ago as a church we pledged even above the normal giving that runs the church we pledged to give an extra 1.2 million dollars for ministry in this community and around the world and today marks the two-year mark because there's a three-year commitment to raise that 1.2 million dollars actually last week was a two-year mark but i asked can we move it to this week because this week ties with this passage that Jesus is teaching so well because as one fulfills every single one of those things that Jesus said you should do is you await his return. He said, I was hungry and you gave me food. The As One financial challenge gives rice and beans to families in Anapra, Mexico each week. It also feeds teenagers right here in our own community. It helps by supporting the Prodeo Youth Center and, and God bless their ministry in this community. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink, quite literally. As one repaired a water well that broke in Haiti that served a community of 1,000 people. It was repaired by the end of the week, thanks to Aswan. I was a stranger, and you showed me hospitality. The doors of this sanctuary are open to anyone. Now, I already told you this at the end of the year, but I want to tell you that it happened again this year. One of your fellow Lakelanders was out and about in the community and said, oh, I go to Lakeland. And somebody said, Lakeland, don't they let anybody go there? (laughs) Yes, we let anybody go here. I didn't know that there was any other way to do church. I guess you're supposed to post guards and say, I'm sorry, your hair is not the regulation link. Where's your Ned Flanders-like sweater? I don't know what that was supposed to do. But yes, yes, anyone can come here. And the one Financial Challenge Month by month, buys this building back from the bank. It literally pays for those doors through which anyone can come. Let's have a breath of fresh air, shall we? I got an email yesterday that I want to share about this uh, we let anyone in here thing. To everyone, my son and I were in a department store Wednesday when the clerk helping me saw my Lakeland t-shirt and asked if we attended there. She told me how she loved the concerts we used to have and that her boyfriend played in one of the bands for a while. We got a lot of flack for those concerts because those kids were naughty. (laughs) She said that Lakeland has the coolest stuff going on, and without those concerts, her teen years would have been much different. She would have gotten into much more trouble. She attends Truman University now, and she was working over her spring break. I thanked her for sharing her story, invited her to our service on Wednesday night because... There was going to be a bunch of Truman students there. I'm not sure who was involved in the Screamer concerts because we were pretty new back then. I just wanted to share this story and let you know about this positive difference that they made. I was, cloth- I was naked and you clothed me. As one buys school uniforms for orphans in Haiti where in order to attend school, you have to have a uniform. I was sick and you visited me. There are women who suffer from terrible conditions in West Africa and Liberia. And some of you in this room, I see you, have gone and you have visited them quite literally. You visited the sick on our behalf and I thank you. I was in prison and you visited me. From time to time, our financial challenges have posted bond for Chinese workers who were arrested for sharing the gospel. More often, what we've done, since they don't throw them in jail as much now, the the police just steal all their supplies, wipe the school out of all of its tech. So we we rebuy it as fast as they can steal it. And I had the privilege and the duty to write to a man who's in prison in in prison in China for sharing the gospel. He's been sentenced to 15 years. He's served five. And they've begun to torture him in this prison. And so they said if, if Americans would periodically send a letter of encouragement, they would get the notion that people around the world know that this person exists in prison and they would at least stop torturing him. Whatever it is you've sacrificed to be part of as one, and whatever annoyance it has caused you, and I know it is an annoyance, it makes our family budget so much tighter than it needs to be. And all of a sudden, we're having, my wife and I, all these discussions about what sink faucet to get because, you know, we don't have as much money for the really nice sink faucet. And, and it just makes everything such a fight. And whatever shame it has caused you because you don't drive as nice a car as everyone else in your family. And you don't go on as cool of vacations as everyone else you work with. Whatever else has one has caused you, I want you to also know it was a sign that you are awake. You are awake and doing the things that Jesus said to do as you wait for his return, the instructions that the master gave to his servants. This is what end times teaching is for. It's not to spread fear and panic. It's to give us courage to do the difficult things we must do today. And the courage comes from knowing how it's going to end and so it gives us courage to make the right decision today about what to do and what to sacrifice and so tonight we're going to celebrate all God has done for us in these last two years but I want to say well done church well done to you you are awake and we have a year to go we have another lap so we're going to celebrate that, and I'm going to ask uh, Charlie Belt, our, one of our church elders, and our campaign director to come and tell us about how we can participate and be together in this last year. Charlie?
1: Thank you, Garrett. Well, you know, you got an envelope, or maybe one of the members of your family uh, received this as one envelope with your program when you came in. And, and we're going to take a moment right now and participate together Uh, In this moment of the service as the worship team comes up, we're going to have a video which will summarize and remind us of some of the things that, uh, similar to what Garrett just shared, the way that we are trying in some small ways to partner with the least of these, and then there'll be a song. During that song, I want to encourage you to take a minute and come forward and drop in one of the cards from your envelope into this bowl next to me. Now, here's how this will work. Uh, Some of you are already, many of you, are already participating in As One, have pledged a gift and are giving regularly, giving annually, however you designated that to happen, great. Then the card that is a prayer card in that envelope is for you. Fill out that prayer card over the next few minutes during the video or during the song or even during the worship songs that we'll worship together later on. And then bring that prayer card at some point between now and the end of the service right here to this bowl and drop it in. Those are going to be shared with the leaders of those initiatives, the leaders of those ministries around the world or in our city or in our church. Uh, Your prayers will encourage and support them. And that's a way for us to celebrate and mark this two-year anniversary today. And then some of you out there maybe are wondering if maybe you have a way to participate in As One. You'd like to participate in As One financially. You haven't had the opportunity to. Maybe a couple years ago, last year, it wasn't the right time financially for you, but now you can. Or maybe you weren't with us. Maybe you're new to Lakeland and you'd like to participate. Now, let me just say this, too, before we go any further. Uh, As One around Lakeland is our third financial challenge over the last six and a half, seven years. As one is by far the most successful in terms of the numbers of pledges at at two years ago and the the amount of money that's come in towards those pledges. Uh, I'm I'm not up here to beg you for your money as one's doing great. We're doing great things. We are making progress. We are accomplishing the things that we set out to do. God has blessed this church, and you have sacrificially given. So for those of you that are thinking about doing a new pledge, it's not because we're saying you need to. We need your money. You have to. It's for you to participate and come alongside us in solidarity with the initiatives and the things that God, we believe, is doing around Lakeland. It's for you and for the ministry that can be done further and and onward uh, in those initiatives and around our church. But I'm not begging you to participate. I'm just giving you that opportunity. So, if that's you, then take that card and consider over the next few minutes what you might be able to pledge in the next 12 months. It could be weekly, monthly, could be a one-time gift. On that card, it gives you some dollar amounts. It gives a one side is name information and how you plan to give. The other side looks like that, has some colored columns and has some has some dollar amounts to give you a sense of what that dollar amount would would, would where it would total up to on a weekly monthly or or annual basis and just so you know let, let's take for example if you gave twenty dollars a week it would be a thousand dollars for the year for the next 12 months roughly uh that would purchase a computer to provide technical support to our student ministry upstairs in the renovations that we're doing in our student ministry our middle school and high school student room They need a brand new computer to run the projection and to do the things they do on a weekly basis in that room, and that would provide them a computer to do that if you gave $20 a week. Say you could give $65 a week or $3,000 for the next 12 months, then that would be the restroom for the folks of Anapra, Mexico in the library that they're building. A community library in a poverty, violence-stricken neighborhood, they're building a library with the help of Lakelanders and our Anapra initiative, and they'd like to have a restroom. Restrooms are rare in public facilities, very rare in these people's homes and the places that they live in APRA. But a restroom would be another drawing point to that library. $3,000 would provide them the restroom that they're trying to build in that library. And then maybe you could give a little bit more, maybe it's $6,500 in the next 12 months. That'd be about $125 a week or about $400 a month, $500 a month. That would be Jack and Hannah Liu's salary. They're our partners in China. They're the missionaries that we have become friends with. They lived with us last fall. They were here living with Dan and Lori. Uh, That would be their salary for the next 12 months if you could give that. That would provide them what they need to live on. We're already doing that, but that would be the dollar amount that they need uh, if you could give that. And then maybe a one-time gift. Maybe there's somebody out there that could give a one-time $10,000 gift uh, today during the year sometime. That $10,000 could go to do significant renovations at the Eastland House. In, our, in, our, uh, in the neighborhood just 20 minutes east of here where the Hope Center is that Lakeland's purchased this house to, to give to the Hope Center and to provide housing for their staff or other members in their community that need, need housing. And we're currently renovating it and a, a group of guys goes down there a couple times a month to get the work done. That $10,000 would go a long way to getting those renovations done so that make that house livable and we could actually put it into ministry use. So those are the things that could happen. I would encourage you to take a moment and look at that card. If you're thinking about participating in As One, then do it. Uh, And and that'd be great. And then bring your card, your pledge card, right here to this bowl. The rest of you, whether or not you can participate in As One, maybe you already are, maybe you can't, take some time to pray during this video and during the music. First service, uh, I think they were a little asleep, or maybe it was St. Patrick's Day. They didn't quite get it, or maybe my instructions just stunk. But they didn't really get it. Not too many of them came forward and put stuff in the bowl. We'd really like everyone to take a moment and walk forward and, and put a prayer card or a pledge card in the bowl, okay? So with that, let's roll this video, a good summary of As One, and then we'll worship
0: Thank you guys, thank you. Not every sermon touches you right where you are. The real reason you may have come this morning is to pray with members of our prayer team who are in this prayer circle right at the back of the room as you leave today, the day. Um, they have come to pray with you and pray for you and you may have an experience there that is the reason why the Spirit brought you here this morning. If we haven't gotten to meet yet, I, uh, we have a coffee with Pastor that's right outside these doors at the back, just last a few minutes after the service. And I'd love to meet you if I haven't gotten a chance to do that before. We'd like to close today reciting the Apostles' Creed as the foundational beliefs that undergird all the ministry that we do and all that we hold dear. So if, if it's not something you believe yet, you certainly don't have to recite it with us, but use this time to look at it and think what is the distance between me? and this kind of faith. And what are the obstacles and what are the things that I might do to explore closing that distance? But for the rest of us, I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sin, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. I hope to see you at the celebration tonight. Go in peace.